minutes of our lives inside Either we're in traffic at work or close eyes How about we all agree that it's way overdue to take back our lives What's up, everybody? Welcome on into the Work Wherever podcast, the podcast where we talk about AI automation. What else do we talk about? The ability to work wherever so you can live every day like it's Saturday. That's the baseline here. And so, guys, we have a uh, we have a special guest here today on the show. So, for those of you who are, I would say, longtime listeners, but we're not even like that. We haven't even been doing that this long. But for those of you who have kept up with the new version of the podcast, you know that we have a couple different versions or flavors of the podcast. We have trivia. We have Roy and Sydney's hotspot where we go through the the internet and look, read some news articles. We have what Sydney likes to call Roy's rants, which where I just kind of go <laughs> off on put on my tinfoil hat and kind of go dive a little deep into AI. And then of course we have traditional interviews. And so. You have a double treat today because Sydney's here, and that's how you know it's going to be a good episode. And then we have my man Tony Watley, who is with us, which Tony is a badass entrepreneur. Like I, I, I don't have a bio in front of you, Tony, because I don't even know how to explain how much of a badass you are, but Tony was a, a, a former employee in the oil industry. Is that correct? That's right. And then you went into, you did some project management and then you owned a car, doing car business, like a group, I believe, right? Yeah, I started the largest General Motors performance community on the internet and had over 300,000 members. And then I built performancetrucks.net and grew the racing truck community to about 280,000 registered members. Goodness gracious. So, you know, just a small group, just a tiny, tiny, tiny. group of tiny, tiny group. And, uh, and then from that, all that experience of the background, which we'll get deep into, into, uh, into your background as we progress through the, through the interview, but you built a coaching business, which is 365 driven, which I'm sure if you guys are listening to the show and you haven't heard of 365 driven, go to, go to 365 driven and pull it up while you're listening to this, because, uh, Tony's the man you, you have different events, you have coaching uh, for, I believe what you have one-on-one here, I'll let you explain it before we jump in. Yeah, we do business coaching. If we have mastermind groups with about eight people each, business owners, and we do the one-on-one, and we have events all over. We've done international events. Are actually next events going to be in June, likely, and that's going to be in Portugal. So, oh, nice, man, Portugal. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have not checked out one of your events yet. I say yet because I I plan to do so. I'm not ignoring you, Tony. I swear. And there. Uh, they're all over the place, man. The way that you do uh, the way that you do your events are really cool, and, and it fits in perfectly with this show. We talk about travel, we talk about working wherever. That's why it's called the Go Work Wherever podcast. But we go to different locations, and we believe that you know you should be able to work from all areas, see the world, and travel. And your events are not like at you know some conference hall in you know some Nebraska 
stadium type of thing. Oh. They're they're out in nature or doing cool stuff. Like the last one, I think you guys did. Were you racing cars? Is that what that you guys were doing? One, yeah, we, we rented out a racing school in Arizona, and we did a full day of instructed racing school. And then we also the, the last one we did was actually apply at Carmen, so outside of Cancun at a, at a beach resort. And then we've also whitewater rafted in the Montana, and we also hiked the Zion National Park in Utah. That's so cool. What was your favorite one? The first one, actually, I think the Zion National Park one was because it was 2020 and all the other gurus out there were closing down their events because of COVID and their fear. And I said, man, I know who my audience is. They're going to get off the keyboards and actually want to go out. And so we had our very first event in the end of 2020 when everybody else was canceling their stuff. Yeah. Man, that, yeah, that is so cool. The way that you get out there and you can do business from wherever, if you're doing business properly and you have a, 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 a nice grasp on your processes and you understand what it is that you're doing and you can systematize what it is that you're doing, you could do that all the time. You could go hike Mount Zion. You could go to, you said you were to Portugal. You could go to Portugal with Tony. You can do all these things because you've established a business structure that can effectively work wherever and allowing your employees to, to work wherever as well. So the Portugal one, Tell me a little about this Portugal one because now you got me intrigued. I didn't realize you had one coming up. Sorry to put you on the spot. Have you have you already? Am I like jumping the gun here? Yeah, we've actually did some site visits out there in Lisbon and and Porto and looked at the wine region and yeah, we're we're looking for some scenery and just take people to go look at some really cool stuff out there, the architecture and everything that we don't have here in the United States. So so the pandemic is what kind of kicked this off. You were like, hey, we're all stuck in our homes. We're all stuck and we just need to get out and, and meet? Is that kind of what the driving force was here? Well, I think that most business owners really don't take enough vacation or time to unwind, and they always make excuses for not doing that kind of stuff. They say that they don't have time, they can't afford it. And so we said, hey, let's make a list of bus bucket list items that people would like to go out and do things, meet some people, hear some amazing speakers, and then also have that as a tax write-off. It's a fully deductible vacation for people to go enjoy, learn some things, and gain a new network. Yeah, I think it's so cool, man. I, I've seen the pictures. Have you, you need to follow Tony if you're not following Tony yeah. already. And the pictures of them, like the whitewater rafting picture where you guys, you guys took the picture. I believe you have these up at 365driven.com, right? Yeah. And, and so if you guys go there, you can see the pictures of the whole group. They're outside the, it's like right after you got off the raft, right? Nice. Have you ever been whitewater rafting, Sid? I have. Where did you go? Uh, we were in Tennessee, like right outside of Gatlinburg, I think. Have you, and so the rapids portion, did you guys go over some serious, like where did you guys go, uh, Tony? Where did you guys go? It was at Glacier National Park in, in Montana. So yeah, there was some good rapids out there. And nothing crazy that was going to kill us, obviously, but you know, where the tourists would go do things. Yeah, right. but it's cool. Yeah. Like just going over rapids in general is, is uh, I haven't done it in so long. I did it when I was a little kid and I did it in West Virginia. Not quite. Yeah either of yours experience yeah we had but, wetsuits on it was cold so oh man yeah. anybody, did anybody fall out of the boat no no that actually did pretty well in that regard yeah i we had a couple people fall out of the boat again we were we were children you know so probably yeah. it was like one of those things where people like want to fall out of the boat you know they're like oh yeah. no yeah but yeah and then the race car thing that was the was that this last one that was so that was two events ago it was in, Radford Racing School down at 
south of like the Phoenix area. And okay. So we get the Hellcat, you know, Challengers that are 702 horsepower, and we basically rented a, a fleet of those, and we had instructors and did a lot of automotive handling exercises and got out on the road course and things like that. So it was a lot of fun. Most of the people out there, I'll say. 95% of the people that attended had never had that kind of experience. And you know, you know my love for cars and performance and things like that, that I wanted them to introduce them to high performance driving and gain some more confidence behind the steering wheel. And man, everybody loved it. There was a lot of people that were kind of scared at first, but after doing that, I think everybody wanted to go buy a sports car after that. Yeah, I mean, it just the, when I saw you post it, I forget, I was on vac. I was doing something during that time period where I couldn't go. But the just looking at it and reading it, and not to when we and we didn't even we haven't even talked about the great speakers that you had there, right? The, you had tremendous speakers at the event as well. But I love the way that you build your events around experiences because what you said in the beginning of this was so many entrepreneurs bury their head in their work and sit behind a desk, or maybe they're not even sitting behind the desk, but they're working constantly. They miss those. They miss those vacations. They miss, they miss those experiences. And I think what you guys are doing over at 365 Driven is just so cool where you're able to give these experiences, but do it in a way where for those workaholics, because you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably a workaholic, then you get to still feel like you are getting just world-class knowledge while you're having fun at the same time, which sure. bravo, sir. Very, Thank very you. cool. Thank you. We'll have to we'll have to get you out to one of those, Sydney. Are you jumping out of helicopter? Sydney loves heights. No, I like heights. I don't know if I would jump out of something. Yeah, well, if you do, we'll we'll just throw Sydney out there, throw a GoPro on her, and just let her bungee jump her. Throw anything jump out for of her. content. Anything. That's right. We'll just Sydney sit. works from a helicopter. Yeah, Sydney works from a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's a whole series of YouTube do a, videos. Do a podcast interview from a bungee, <laughs> and you upside down from a helicopter. <laughs> I yeah, I see, I she's can. in. She she she's, no. she can't wait to Sorry. do it over here. I'll drive a car though. You will drive a car. I would do that. Are you big into cars? Tony's like Mister Car Guy. Like, no. I know nothing about cars so much so that I like I'm ashamed of like when I see like to, like Tony. You and I were at an event. Uh, what was it? It was sometime last year, and or were you at the? Were you at? Andy's last event at the uh, Nashville. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you're surrounded by these car guys. You know, these guys are talking about muscle cars and, and like I drive a truck, right? It's like I like Tony, I think you would look at my last like four cars and just call them like the bait like their basic mom grocery getters is essentially what I drive. You know, everybody's got their vice, everybody got their passion. You know, I think that it's I mean, my son is not a car guy. He knows cars, but he's not a car fanatic like me. My dad was a car guy, but he didn't modify or race cars. He just enjoyed cars. So I think we all have our own passions and things like that. And just mine happen to be cars. I'm, I was the kid that was running with Hot Wheels in my hands and making car noises probably before I could talk. So I think, that, <laughs> I think just some of us are like that and not everybody's like that. So I get it. It plays. It play, and it plays. It has played well turning your passions into potential, which was a quote that you posted on your Instagram that actually prompted me to reach out to you. I feel like I DM you all the time, Tony, so I apologize, but um, it won't be the last time I DM you, I promise. You can bet on that. And so there was this quote you posted on your Instagram. This is at 365 Driven. 
Tony said, one of my greatest regrets is thinking of the thousands of hours I wasted while commuting to a job that limited my potential. So first, before we, I mean, you just kind of talked about it there. You, everybody has a passion, which passion leads to potential. But what was going through your mind when you, when you posted that and thinking, cause you, you say it's one of your greatest regrets. So what, what, what was one of the, what was going through your mind when you made this quote and, and put it out for the 365 driven community? You know, I, I was approaching 50. I turned 50 back in November. I think that was around that time. And when I start thinking about our life, we look in retrospect, most of us around 40, we start looking back in retrospect, trying to think about what we could have done better or what we learned or maybe the lessons that we kind of take with us. And could we have done things better? What kind of sacrifices were we not willing to have now? What is our non-negotiables that we would have in our life going forward from those points? So, you know, approaching 50, I started really thinking about, you know, where did I waste a lot of time? Like, what did I just do that I completely did not enjoy? And for me, it was working in the corporate sphere for 25 years. And you think about in Houston area, like it's always an hour one way and an hour back or an hour and a half one way. And I don't, yeah. It's like you're, you're two to three hours a day because these oil and gas jobs kind of move around and you don't want to have to move your house every time you do that. So if you do some quick calculations, like if you're listening to this or you're trying to figure out how many hours you wasted, it's real simple, man. Just think about what's your average commute five days a week times 50 weeks because you probably take your two weeks off a year so 50 weeks times x amount of years that you've been doing it and you'll you'll come up and it's probably thousands if you've been doing it for 20 plus years you'll be getting the thousands of hours that you spent commuting just sitting there looking at somebody's bumper and somebody's taillights and just thinking like man i wish i was home already or i just wish i was at the office already but it's a, it's a lot of time you think about thousands of hours because when we focus on legacy and how important time is when you get down to those last few hours of your remaining life, you're gonna look back at the thousands of hours that you wasted doing things that you could have been doing things that are more fulfilling, create more happiness, and sitting in traffic to me is like not happy at all. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of happy if you're asking me. We have a similar commute here. We live in the Washington DC area. One of the worst commutes in the country, much like the Houston, LA, just, you know, Going three miles could take anywhere between 20 minutes and four and a half hours, kind of a kind of a commute. And you get stuck. And so the way the way that they wanted to combat that to make everyone's lives better was to create these fast pass lanes where now you have to pay money to sit in a different type of traffic. Right. So you're sitting with the elitists at that point. You know? Right. <laughs> we so paid it, to sit in this traffic. We are special. Right. Right. We paid to sit in this. So pinky up over here while we drink our thermos we have that same stuff the tollways here they, yeah they see the same traffic it's crazy yeah. and to, to think about it and, and and you nailed it when you're talking about there is think about the experiences and the time and the life that you're trading for that commute they talk about the dinner table being one of the most important things for building a family and the time that you sit down to eat with your children and that so many dads out there miss dinner for the sake of a two hour commute to a job that will leave them unfulfilled. And, and that is my, that's been my mission even behind, you know, before we did this podcast, my mission before even starting into the workforce was why am I commuting 
to miss time with my my children, my spouse, my family. You know, uh, we, I did a whole podcast on this, Tony, where it was, if you look at movies from the 90s, like, are you familiar with the movie Hook? Yes. The opening scene to the movie Hook, which is that Peter Pan becomes a, a, a real man and uh, he grows up. The opening scene is him at work and he misses his son's baseball game. And he has to send the assistant with the video camera to to videotape his son so he can watch his son through a video a VHS of his championship game. And and so how many entrepreneurs out there are seeing their children's re, 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 rehearsals, their plays, their graduations through a phone because they weren't there and they had to commute to some crazy thing. That's that's what I feel like a lot of people miss when they're talking about entrepreneurs and they're talking about, oh, you gotta be a man and go work. What's more of being a man? Is it is it going to work and sitting in the commute or is it being with your children while still providing for them, mind you? Because I assume this quote where you're saying, hours I wasted while commuting to a job that limited my potential. After you left that job, it's not like you stopped being able to provide for your family, no. that's that that wasn't that wasn't the trade, so that that is a that's something I feel like people don't don't understand and don't hear enough of. They hear about the grind, but they don't get enough of the hey, your children are important. Being time, having experiences, that's all important. You know, I started realizing through technology, especially the oil and gas. About yeah. 10 to 15 years ago, we started to have like these devices. Like we're, we're doing interviews right now on this podcast. We're in different states. We do them all over the world, right? We had these technologies in our conference rooms 15 years ago where, yeah. you know, you had to have the same system, of course, but oil companies can afford that. And people on the other side of the world can sit in the conference room and they have their own camera. And we had our own camera. We had our own screen. And we had emails. We had phone calls. We had all these ways to make connectivity like really simple. And... I worked on international projects. So my project teams, a lot of them were in Europe, England and Italy, Africa. And so they're on a completely different time zone. They're six to eight hours ahead of me. So I only really had access to them up till about midday and then they're kind of off for the day, right? So when you think about that, I was driving an hour and a half to the west side of Houston to manage people on the other side of the world for half a day. And so it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, it's like, this is kind of asinine. Why am I driving over here every single day, three hours a day to manage people on the other side of the world that are off like halfway through the day anyways. And so I presented that to the superiors, you know, the big oil companies. And, and they said, well, you need to talk to your supervisor about that, about maybe working from the main office. That's a little shorter commute. I could ride the bus, I could work from home. And she resisted it, my supervisor. And what I've learned here is it's a lot about ego. If you're a business owner, and you want your little ducklings to be in a row outside your, your desk so they have their little cute farm so you feel super important because you're the boss and they're all here and they're all just doing stuff and you know you feel like really like you're there you're just controlling them at that point you're kind of an asshole right so yeah. she was an asshole she actually had us driving to an office that was not her home office because it was five minutes from her house hmm. the contractor's office that they provided for all of us for their contracts that she wanted to, for her convenience, and she didn't give a shit about the, the 10 other people on the team until I raised my voice about it. And 
finally, after it went up to the superior chain, they said, hey, if anybody that's commuting more than an hour, we're going to give you the option to work from headquarters or wherever you're at. It's like, dude, I'm going back to headquarters. Of course, that left me in ill you know, uh, attitude with her because she couldn't control me, and I was working back in the main office where she should have been with the rest of the team. And, and that kind of really hurt my promotions and things like that. So that's one of the things that kind of limits your, your growth, your potential. You know, when your supervisor is unreasonable and doesn't have any logic and just rules with emotion and ego, then that's the reason that so many people leave corporate. So many good people just leave the workspace because of that kind of situation. Yeah. So how do we change that? Do you think it's possible to change that mindset or, or do you think that it's just the people who are do, used to doing business where they have to smell, feel, see their employees have to retire? Is there a way that we can... What do you what do you think that the future will hold in terms of that? Well, I think 2020 with COVID forced everybody into that because everybody got forced to go back to their houses and work remotely, even though we could have been doing it for 10 years, let's be real, right? Yeah. And so a lot of companies actually started to see that they're actually making more profit in doing so because they have less overhead costs and they don't have to pay all the utilities for these fancy offices and buy all this furniture and do all this kind of stuff. So you see a lot of companies that were forced into it that actually adopted that. I'd say that actually the majority of companies. If you're not someone that's in a service-based company where you have to be physically there to interact with the customers and it's mostly online and interactions, like you don't need a big office. Like you don't need these kind of things that kind of check the box and make you feel like a, you're a big boy or a big girl business owner, you know? So I think the culture was forced into that in 2020, 2021. And those who actually keep that going, good for them because they realize, hey, this is more efficient. We're making more money. People are happier. They can actually be home with their families a little bit longer. They're getting more work. We're having more productivity. We can see the data, right? Good for you if you guys adopted that. But if you got back to that point, you're like, well, I just want everybody to come back here just because. Well, bad news for you. Everybody else that's been an employee in that situation knows the better version of that now. And they're not going to work for you. You're going to start bleeding off your top-level talent because top-level talent is not going to put up with that bullshit anymore. So you mean to tell me that business culture is bigger than a ping pong table in a break room? Is that? That's it, man. Business culture, dude. If, you know, even in some of the largest organizations, I mean, the ones I used to work with, I'm not going yeah. back. They lost a lot of talent when they started treating people worse. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a hard lesson that people are learning right now who are trying to force everybody back. You're, you're right on, man. Where, where people are taking a look at, and they're doing it for personal reasons. I believe, I believe what everything you just said is spot on that these managers rose to a specific level within their organization, doing things a very specific way. And so now that you're trying to tell them that they have to change their ways, they're grasping on to the little bit of power that they have left that got them to where they are. Because if things are to change, if things are to to uh, innovate past their understanding of a way that it could be managed and they lose control of the old way, then in their minds that they're going to be replaced. Yeah. So instead of innovating, instead of thinking of new, better ways that they could go about it, they're trying to grasp on to the, what they have left. And, and anybody who grasps on to something that's not innovative, that's not trying to push a business forward, regardless of what it is. We're, we just happen to be talking about remote work. But if it's anything, 
process automation, ChatGPT, name the next thing, right? It, if you are grasping to, well, we've always done it this way. If you ever find yourself saying, well, we've always done it this way, you're dead. You're that, dead. That, that's the day that you your business stops. You're going to become Blockbuster. Yeah. Which Blockbuster, I'm glad you brought that up. Blockbuster, did you know, said that uh, Netflix went to Blockbuster to try to get Blockbuster to purchase Netflix? I believe, is that the correct story there? Yeah, it was early on too. It wasn't worth a whole lot at the time. They were trying to sell the company to them, the technology and Blockbuster's ego was like, well, we're the big boys in the room and we don't need that. And people are always gonna go to a video store and get our VHSs and our DVDs. So ego killed them. Yeah. How would they buy our popcorn if they were on demand? I mean, people bitched about the music industry when they went from cassettes to CDs, mm -hmm. CDs to MP3s and MP3 players. Like, oh, I'm not going to buy another device to, like, I have all my cassettes. Like, anytime we resist technology, it's just, it's stupid. Like, you may not adopt it, but you should at least invest an amount of time to understand it to see if there's certain aspects of it that can benefit you and your company, right? You may not embrace it all. You may just go through that rabbit hole of learning all kinds of stuff about AI and go, you know, there's nothing in here that benefits me. So cool. That, that's your specific business model. You know, like if I'm, let's say if I'm making custom leather shoes, I'm just throwing something out there and I'm having to make these by hand and I'm an artist, maybe chat GPT or AI is not going to benefit me in any way. Cool. I can, I can be okay with that. But to say like, oh, that, this is lame and like it's going to take people's jobs and like be really resistant to this kind of stuff. It's like, you're just going to eat crow or you're going to eat a, a closed sign on the front of your business and keep acting like that. 100%. We've talked about that exact on our last couple podcasts of this chat GPT. Now, will AI, artificial intelligence and all this stuff eventually replace all jobs? Maybe. You know, but right now, I'll tell you what will replace your job because you won't have a company anymore is if you don't do anything and you resist it and you say, that's not for me and you, and you fight it. If you spend all your energy fighting the new technology, then it's it's going to take your job that way, <laughs> you know, which is, would be a guarantee, which we have looked into ChatGPT. We obviously use AI and build implementation of it. So we're obviously on the other 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 side of it where we're, we're obviously a, a component, you know, we, we think it's a great thing, but we, we have looked into ChatGPT. Sydney's done a lot of, you use it more than I do, way more than yeah. I do. Have you used it at all, Tony? I have, I've used it to just play around and ask, answer questions and create top 50 lists of things or content creation. I've taught people to, you know, look up different things. It's, it's just a more advanced to me at Google. Like Google, you know, search yeah. pulls up things that rank based on SEO and backlinks kind of ranks things where a chat GPT or any AI will actually dig into the knowledge base that's attained and we'll find the specific answers and write them out. You know, that's why we're like, it's conversational. It's also creative, you know, like I've had it writing country songs. I've had it writing rap lyrics. We've done some funny stories. Like the more specific you are about what you put in there, it'll give you really specific responses. And so it's kind of fun. It's like having a very intelligent friend that's read every single book known to man and asking them all kinds of questions and things about that they learned. You did, said, what did you, was there a movie? Oh, I asked her to write me like a Hallmark movie. Yeah. A yeah. Hallmark Christmas movie, right? 
Mm-hmm. And you had the first. Uh, it gave you what did it give you? Characters. Setting with like, you know, some seasonal name. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. Everything. Like even on the rap songs, like it would have like the the lyrics and then would have chorus and it would have more lyrics and then yeah. chorus and stuff like that. I mean, it's very well detailed. And mm-hmm. I asked mine to write a funny story about a life coach. Just oh, that's right. I saw, you know, I saw your post on that. Yeah. So that was a very detailed story. And it's about some life coach that dreamed big, but he was kind of an imbecile. And he, you know, he did all the big, big phrases, you know, but he was doing it from like a pogo stick on the stage and he fell off the stage and into the chairs. And you know, so it was like, that was, it was the comedy. So it actually knows comedy very well. That's really funny. Yeah. It, it, and it was, uh, it was pretty spot on. I feel like it would. It, it feel like it you would have written that post. Yeah. Which is which is cool. Whereas Sydney asked it. What did you ask it with the work wherever you asked it like some sort of Instagram post or something? Yeah, just write me a post about automation, and then use these hashtags, and it spits out something like almost exactly what I would say. In like a blink of a second. And it's wild. It, and I feel like that's where people are missing ChatGPT. Now. Will it take some jobs? Yeah, but it'll probably take the jobs of the life coaches who are dancing on stages with pogo sticks. Right. You know? <laughs> and the marketers who, uh, we had Alex Vonderhaar on an episode recently who said, this is going to take the marketers' jobs who, who have a hard time earning their white belt. Yes. The, 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 the Instagram entrepreneur, the Instagram marketer, it's going to take those jobs. People who actually know what they're doing and can articulate these things see this as a tool. Yeah. This is, this is a very sophisticated tool that can accelerate your business rapidly if you let it throughout multiple platforms. The benefit to AI to me is that it's going to remove creative blocks. So you think about that when you're not feeling very creative and you go to chat GPT and say, hey, give me the top 10 topics for video content ideas on digital marketing. And it'll give you the top 10 that it thinks are the top 10. And then you can say, hey, from these 10, what are the five that are going to give you the most potential reach? And it's going to figure out some analytics. It's going to go, okay, these are the top five we think are going to be the most popular. And you go, okay, cool. Give me the headlines for the videos that you would use for these five and give it a maximum of five words each. And it'll actually write the hook for you for each of those five. And so now you've got five content ideas, five titles for your videos, and the hook's already pre-written for you. Then you can say, hey, write the description for each of these that you would think that would be in the video description or write the paragraph for each of those. And so anytime you're having a creator block or a writer block or a content idea creation block, just ask this thing and it'll create things for you. It gives you something like, oh man, I can actually do that one. So if I ask it for a list of 100 things, I can come through there and go, Nah, nah, I'm not feeling that one. Nah, nah, no, it's not, nah, nah. Yeah, I'm going to do a video on that. That sounds like something I actually want to talk about. So. We've called that collaborative intelligence. Yep. That's a term that we've used to, to describe exactly what you just said. Whereas use these artificial intelligence, use these automation to present yourself or your employees as much information as quickly as possible so that you can make an informed decision, a human decision behind it. I, I, I had not thought of the hooks, writing the hooks. I haven't thought of that. I did ask it last time we were here to like give me podcast ideas you did. about a podcast about 
working wherever. Huh. And we ha- had done most of them, actually. Yeah. We're just ahead, me, we're like, ahead of you, ChatGPT. You're not coming for my job. You don't want those hooks. You can have them revise them. Say, hey, these hooks, rewrite these with humor added. Maximum of six words. And then it will rewrite them funny. Or you can say, rewrite these with seriousness added. And it will rewrite them more serious and like urgent or dangerous, you know, like those kind of things. So. Right, and I've, I've told you before, like the hardest part of it is getting your questions right to get the right information yeah. for me anyways. But That's the right. more you ask it, the more it's learning. Yeah, the more specific getting. you are on your question, mm-hmm. the better your answers will be. That's awesome. I think that's the way it should be. Right. The human has to be involved. And for now, the human is involved. Yeah. And, and, you know, I asked it, what did I ask it? I asked it, give me a billion dollar business idea. And it basically told me to like screw off. It was like, (laughs) I can't do that right now. So there is an ethical filter behind it, which I believe there's an API that it filters the the question through to make sure that it's not. I won't show you anything mean or bullying or any kind of anger. It won't won't have any kind of content like that. Right. Which I'm glad that you brought up Google because that was what we were talking about is this is a more sophisticated Google. So instead of us seeing pictures, videos, and articles, we're seeing question response to what it is that we're asking. It's the same real technology. It's just the variables that it's giving you are no longer links about, you know, Tom Brady's retirement. Now it is a headline for a, a, a Hallmark movie. So within 365 Driven, have you had some of your people that you coach ask you about ChatGPT? I've actually been the one to bring it up to each of my one-on-one clients. I've also brought it up to the group. I did a webinar for the, the larger group and kind of explained how things that they made, give them some ideas, and they're all just blown away. And I also talked about some other AI products that were like video content creation and editing and things that create reels like video.ai. Yep. Like that kind of stuff, like people are just blown away. It's like I can just drag and drop a Zoom video into this and it creates 15 reels and it puts the yeah. subtitles on there and it formats it all for me. And I don't have to do anything. It actually found through its own transcript writing, like one of the best parts of that video and it will create the reels just with those one minute sections. And it's like really cool. Like it took like five minutes. Yeah, we just invested in that this week. There you go. It's really cool. That's something that's brand new. That's they're still tweaking on it. You know, if you send a, a request on some of the edit or some, some kind of suggestion, the CEO of the company will actually respond to it. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, we we just got it. Mm-hmm. We started using it for this podcast because before, what you, we used, what did we use? Me. Yeah, you used Premiere Pro and then oh, Canva. Just going yeah. yeah, well, it just watching it. it yourself and then picking these timestamps then editing that and then adding captions and if you want to put it in some weird layout you can um it takes a while so long five minutes now all that's all for all of them yeah i i did a a twitter thread on that saying that i believed that video i believe it's called v-i-d-y-o yeah video or video that to me, is more impressive than ChatGPT. I, I feel I like in terms of what we do, absolutely. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. It, it, it was. Uh, 
And I exactly. think that the those are the like, what other products are they going to make that are right. based on AI? I mean, that's this is just the beginning. Like, this is like very basic stuff to replace like people that don't really have a whole lot of skill making reels. Imagine when the AI and the software combine and make some like really badass stuff that's like like movie type quality. You know what's going to happen? Yeah, it, it it's going to. A lot of people, I feel like, were concerned with ChatGPT and video and and these AIs when they're first coming out, and they're saying, "Well, it's going to replace what it, I think I'm bring value to." And I think it's the opposite. It's still your I think it's I mean, it's still you on video, still your voice. Yeah, I think it, it right now it levels the playing field. For somebody who was really good right for now, that's funny. <laughs> it, it levels the playing field for people who had a ton of information yeah. but didn't know how to create a reel. Dude, or, I've got 385 podcast episodes, and I have all the Zoom videos. So I'm just going to hire a VA, and I'm going to let them just make a crap ton of reels for all of them. Why not? Right. Double YouTube shorts as well, right? Absolutely. We use we do it the same the same thing. And it levels because it, it no longer it it no longer only plays to the people who are good at video editing. Yeah. Now people that the have people, production teams, you know, like you know, right. Alex Hormozzi, when on one of the interviews he talked about how many videos he puts out. I think it's like four or five a day, just like Gary Vee does. Yeah, and he invests seventy thousand dollars per month on that development team to be able to produce that kind of content. Right, and now you're going to be able to do that. Like we get, what was it, ten, fifteen videos for every hour podcast? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think fifteen. I mean, it's great for somebody like us. I came in, I didn't know anything really. So Roy had to teach me, like personally, how to use all like the video editing, editing, editing software. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a game changer, and again, a tool, a tool for the people who understand what they're talking about, so they can provide valuable content. If you if you don't know what you're talking about, you can't just feed ChatGPT nonsense. You'll get nonsense out. Yeah. <laughs> it and that's what people I feel like are missing, where they're like. We had talked, like I said, we talked to Alex a couple weeks ago, and Alex was like, I know of people who are firing their marketing team thinking that ChatGPT is just going to fill in and be able to take it over. And to me, that's awful. It, that is the, the opposite of what you want to be doing right now. Have you heard of people terminating people because of ChatGPT? No, not specifically that. I mean, I guess maybe if you had like really crappy employees, that would probably be a good reason to get rid of them. But if yeah. they were good employees, then. You know, humans have the emotional aspect. We have the empathy side, so we can see content. We can feel what the emotion would potentially be for the viewers. If we see the results or the data, we can also extract like, hey, this is a good, this is a good ad campaign. This is a bad one. And maybe the chat GP can't do that, right? So you still got to have the emotions and the empathy side of things when it comes to marketing, especially. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, one last thing that I wanted to, I want to touch on with you, Tony, before before we. Uh, we call this a, a an episode. Which again, thanks for coming on, man. This is this has been a great conversation. You were a project manager for quite some time, mm -hmm. and this is the time of the year where a lot of people are taking a hard look at their processes, making sure that they are going to hit the ground running. Now we're what are we ten, twelve days into the new year, a couple of weeks in, and so people are starting to 
come to the point where they are either finished their budget of what they can spend on their processes. They're they've been on countless software demos probably over the last you know couple weeks. So what's some what's some pointers that you can give to somebody who is looking at their processes to try and set themselves up for the year? Well, I think that you may be giving, especially small business owners, too much credit for having even looked at anything in processes. <laughs> Actually, we might find that the vast majority of small business owners, even some of them at low eight-figure type range revenue, don't have any processes or systems. They don't have any structure. I've interviewed and had clients that had 15 to $20 million revenue companies that didn't even have an org chart. They didn't even know like the org chart. Like, what is that? It's like, you know, where you're at the top, you're the CEO and you have the vice presidents and you have your managers and your employees like show them like kind of a pyramid looking thing. Like, oh yeah, we should probably have one of those. But you know, so-and-so is like the lead for that. And so-and-so is the lead for that. But they know it, but they don't have it on paper. And therefore their team and their employees don't know it either because there's nothing like showing how this all works, especially with a new employee, right? Mm-hmm. And so the daily operating type procedures, they didn't have that either. They just knew, everybody kind of knew their tasks, but they also had a lot of overlap. The problem without having processes is you don't have defined roles and responsibilities. So everybody kind of just does a little bit of this and that. They don't know how they're being judged or how they're being scored for their ratings or promotions. They don't have any of that kind of stuff because you don't have it written down. And you know, whenever they have some bottlenecks in productions or fulfillment in their company, they don't know why. And they go, I don't know what's broken. Like. But if they had the roles and responsibilities, they can find out where the bottlenecks are and actually use that roles and responsibilities sheet to go out in the job market, interview or use a headhunter to kind of find those people. So more people need to think about what processes and systems are and start to implement those. And you know, there's beginner level stuff like EOS, traction, everybody knows Gino Wickman, right? That's I would say that's the entry level processes and systems. That's a good book that people can consume. It's gonna be a little complicated if you don't understand processes and systems, but that's very basic. For what this is and so you know get those people that can implement these things and write your, your operating procedures and your systems and processes for everything and when you hear these words you're probably thinking what the hell is this but you know let's look at systems you have a marketing system you have an onboarding system you have like your sales system your production system you have your follow-up system like those are all systems within each system you would have procedures which is your processes this is step one this is step two this is what this person does this is what that person does so you define things very granular and then you build the portfolio of all your processes and systems and then you can edit them as they go because those should be living documents. You should be able to be very efficient with those as you go and look for redundancies that you can remove. But it's important. And I say, if you're a solopreneur, probably don't need that because you're doing everything anyways. But if you got two or more employees, you probably should start thinking about it. Yeah. I, uh, I started when I was... I don't want to say a solopreneur because when I first started, we actually did, there was five of us when we first started. Now I was the SME in the tech portion of the business and I started them. That was one of the first things that I did after I filed LLC was I wrote 13 SOPs. Now I came from the quality management systems background and that's, that's where I came from. So I knew the importance of them, but I wrote them so that I could follow them myself to try to build a, a, a repeatable business structure so that when I did have to hire, because as a solopreneur, if you wanna stay a solopreneur your whole life, then more power to you. But if you wanna scale past just yourself, 
then eventually you're going to have to hire somebody. And when you hire somebody, you're going to have to tell that person what to do. Yes. Or they're going to have to try and just sink or swim. And if you can replicate yourself through another individual, then you do that through SOPs, which is standard operating procedure. So the, this is what you do. This is how you do it. Click here, do this, do that. And then when they're going through it, which I've handed you so many SOPs, Sydney, and other people, and they come to me and they say, hey, Roy, this doesn't make sense. Or we should do it this way. Or what about that? And to your point, Tony, these are not, we're not writing the Bible here. No. These, these are living documents that, we want to change. We want them to change. Yeah. We, we want to break these. We want to find out that they're wrong. These SOPs. So and, and in writing them now, now, I think you're right on. I don't think you have to have them if you're a solo entrepreneur. I thought it was a good idea in my journey. But as you if you want to scale, I feel like it's a it's good to start when you don't have to have them. Yes. If, for sure. And it's also when you're that solopreneur of a small team and you have these 13, like you said, standing operating procedures and you have the roles and responsibilities already defined for what you envision your company to be in the next five years. Right. What does it look like then if I'm a $5 million company? What does it look like? How many people am I going to need to be able to fulfill this? You can do that math if you know what you're doing, right? And mm -hmm. so who are these individuals and what do they do on a daily basis? You can create those roles and responsibilities and then you first get the big building blocks and maybe you hire the manager that doesn't have anybody to manage it because they're doing all those tasks for all the roles and responsibilities within their, their department, right? And so as you're growing your company, it's easy to peel off the things that you no longer have interest in or talent in, right? I don't like doing marketing anymore. I need to go hire a marketing manager. Well, here's roles and responsibilities for that person. Put it out there on the job postings. Hire the person that I don't have to do that stuff anymore. So as a CEO, you kind of want to get to be able, be able to fire yourself as fast as possible and not be in the company anymore. So that's the way you do it. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I, it, it, it's a, I'm glad you brought in, in the visionary portion of it. I used to create and tell me if you did this too, because I, at the time I felt like I was crazy, but I used to create recurring meetings for myself of future meetings that would happen. So I'd be like, okay, Mondays are our IT meetings and I would invite myself. And then it would just it would just be me. I would just, I would plan out my calendar to say, when we get big enough, this is the structure of meetings that I want to take place. One of the SOPs that I wrote was how to have a meeting. And it was these are the questions that are to be asked. They should be no longer than this. This is who needs to be in attendance. This is how long how many times they repeat. Did you do anything like that as you were visioning? I know that you're big on vision and and vi visualizing. Was did you ever do anything like that? Not not that specific with the, the meetings and things like that. I mean, that's so I'm crazy, Tony. Is everything on your own on that way? You're having yeah. a <laughs> so, I, I have a meeting with myself every day too. It's at the gym. My guard that time, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, have meetings with yourself, but make sure you're productive during those meetings. Right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. And and 365driven.com is how you find Tony. Tony, is there anything else you want to uh, you want to shout out, bring up no, before we head out of here? Guys, if you're listening to this show, you're probably not resisting the technology anyways. But I think one of the things we're always that most people are really kind of the resistant, we'll call the resistant people of technology. When they hear a term like artificial intelligence yeah. and they know that this is tech industry related, 
think a lot of them just kind of dismiss it because they don't have like the coding background, the technical background, they're not really software or hardware type people. So they're, you know, falsely imagining that this is going to be very complex and it's going to be very hard and difficult and the learning curve is going to be crazy. You're going to have to spend a fortune to get up on this, the speed of this, but they just don't know any better. Like it's really easy. Like to me, the AI interface, especially like video and chat GPT, these are like the easiest thing you can do in tech. Yeah. Like, literally, like this is easier than using an iPhone, for sure. I, I totally agree. I'm glad you brought that up because it can be intimidating when you start it talking about our. Intimidating. It really yeah. sounds intimidating, but they haven't tried it, so they're going to resist it. Right. Give it a shot. I, I do know people have DM'd me and texted me and been like, I have to give them my email address. Should I do that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, oh, geez. Mark Zuckerberg has your email address. What do you right. think he's doing? Right. Like, as, as they DM you from Instagram, right? They're like, should I give them my email address? So you're like, uh, I think they already have it, but. Everybody on your LinkedIn account has your email address. Everyone. <laughs> right. As you get a, a, a note push notification that your your information has been leaked to the dark web for the fifth time this month, I don't yeah. know that you yeah, need to be too concerned. Real, we all have five email addresses anyways. We always keep that special junk one for all these mm -hmm. kind of registrations. So right. No right. Absolutely. Well, Tony, I, I appreciate you, man, so much. Uh, thanks for coming on. You, He was actually, t Tony was on an Avari podcast as well. So you're, you're a repeat offender here. Uh, I, I love it, man. I very much appreciate the time. And guys, go check out 365driven.com. That's the website. I'm saying the website, right? Right? Yeah. Okay, great. And get out to an event where Tony is dropping it because you will learn some some awesome things. I, I've had, I've met a lot of great people through you, Tony. And, uh, and I've been paying attention through your speakers. Lauren Johnson is a, has become a, a good friend of mine who I believe spoke at one of your one of your first events. So just real quality people, real quality events. Definitely go check out 365driven.com, guys. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Sydney Roy, we're good hanging out with you. Yeah, man. It's been a blast. Yes. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out. Uh, I appreciate you guys spending the time with us. Uh, go check out Tony365Driven.com. Also, go check out our website. We have a website now, GoWorkWherever.com. It is live. You can check this episode out there. You can check out all previous episodes. And then, of course, subscribe to our YouTube at Capital Presence, where we're going to be doing a lot more visual, fun video things with maybe some help with some AI tools in there, you know, probably. Who knows? But, guys, thanks for hanging out. Sydney, you got anything before we jump? I'm good. You're good. All right. Until next time, guys. See you. See you. Bye.